Ephraim Bryant, an R&B singer whose public persona is Love Logic, is a songwriter, poet, MC, and social activist. Family, it is exciting for me to bring him in conversation right now. Hey, Mama Jen, what's going on? Oh, I'm so excited to talk with you today. I'm sitting out here in North Carolina in a digital desert. So we've done all kinds of magic to make sure we hold up for this conversation. And wow, I'm excited to have it with you. Let's go. I'm loving I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, Eve, before we even start, let me apologize if I go in and out of names for you. Having known you no since your childhood, look, 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 guy, knowing you since your childhood, it's a blessing and a joy to talk with you now as a successful young artist, activist, and entrepreneur. Uh, for purposes of introducing you to our family, it's thrilling, though, to say, welcome, love, logic. Hey, thank you, thank you. Pleasure <laughs> to be here with you. I might, I might accidentally call you Mama Jen because that's all I know. So forgive that's me right. to that's the right. audience. That's right. That's all I'll ever be for you, Boo. Okay. Um, you know, um, Love Logic. I just got to yeah, tell you, right. I that's love right. waves and sunset. Now, your voice and your artistic expression hey. and poetry is beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, thank you. Having listened to you hone your gift through the years, I've witnessed that you've always had a pure sound and a profound message. Take us back and share with us what your musical journey has been like. Well, uh, I come from a very musical background, you know, as, as you may or may not know. Uh, my, my father was a musician. My mother, you know, in the industry working for Vital Magazine. And, uh, she was the first Black editor of that magazine and then transitioned over to work with artists like Billy Houston and Gil Scott Heron at Arista. So my my whole background has been music before I could talk, you know, growing up listening to the Isleys, Al Green, Marvin Gaye. So it's very rich. Um, and as far back as I can remember, music has been a part of my life. And so I couldn't escape it if I tried, you know. So this has just been a great opportunity for me to kind of step into my own and step into it with intention. And so it's been an amazing journey, a challenging journey, but a, a blessing. You know, I, I really enjoyed the ride. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Off. And, you know, you talk about enjoying the ride. I love that you're able to stand above circumstance and really see the beauty and the teaching and the lesson in it, particularly in these days we're living in now. But that's something mm -hmm. I've seen you do throughout uh, growing up. And hold on, I'm going to show you something real quick. I hadn't thought about doing this actually, but I want to okay. show you something. I told you I'm here in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Remember this? Remember vinyl? Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yay. Look at young Marvin. Yeah, Look yeah, young yeah. Back when, back when Kate was playing vinyl in her room while you and Brett were playing, you know? And, <laughs> and, 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 yes, and, she and, had the vinyl. We had the CDs in the other room bumping. Right, right, right. She and she stayed with the vinyl, you know. And I guess the reason I wanted to show that to you were there are two 
primary reasons. One E is that when I think about you, you always took me back to what I felt when I first heard music on vinyl. And I just shared with you how much I'm vibing on, on your music now. We're going to talk about some in specific. The other reason I pulled it down, though, is because, you know, remember we would jive uh, to what's going on and talk about how relevant it was during that time. Could you have mm -hmm. imagined how relevant it is now, today? Sure. As in the US, we approach um, uh, an election season, but across the world, we're all looking at climate change and those issues and those things that we address uh, regarding uh, 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 election material. Your mm -hmm. sound, allows us to speak about who we are and you don't place prejudice in your music. As a social activist, what are some of the key messages you're seeking to convey through your music and poetry though? Am I reading you well? I, I would say so. I think for me, it's ultimately belief in self. You have to have an almost Irrational belief in yourself when you're when you're confronted with whatever adversity or challenges are in front of you, seen or unseen. And I think that that mixed with a true integrity and love for what you're creating is really kind of my, my whole message. You know, it's about authenticity. I pull inspiration from all spaces, particularly the Marvins, particularly the Owls, and you know, um, the, the classics from that era, because that's what was fake to me, Isley's, all of that stuff. And they all had their own way of kind of bringing their authenticity, their truth um, to the forefront. And so that's why I think that that kind of stuff is timeless. So my intention is always to chase that timelessness, whatever that may be. I want to make sure that the audience is feeling something authentic for me. It may not always be a happy feeling. It may be whatever is my truth at that, at that moment. And I think that that's the goal of a real artist is to speak truthfully about where they are, what they're seeing in the world and what they think the world can do to just advance itself. And I operate in all those spaces. You know, my, my personal affirmation has always been, if I can remember it, cause I, I would say it to myself daily when I'm in the mirror and I do my morning meditations and it's um forgive me I'm one of the I'm one of the dopest artists in the scene spoken in the same conversation as Kendrick Cole Marvin Gaye D'Angelo the roots they know me and I know them the respect is mutual I've maintained my authenticity and humility while providing quality art for people to enjoy reflect upon and be inspired by I have arrived and I'm still going heart dedica dedication got me here Discipline will maintain me. Uh, my family is healthy, wealthy, wise, grateful, and at peace. There's nothing that I lack. So it is. So that's my daily affirmation. When I forget to do that affirmation in the morning, it sets things off a little bit. But when I remember it, it helps to kind of zero in on what my purpose is, whatever I'm doing, when I'm in the, the community activist space, when I'm in the creative space, when I'm serving, that is kind of my North Star, if you will. And so that's what I want to make sure I'm putting in whatever I'm creating. I love it. I love it so much. And I love that you go into your space before you recite it. I can see you doing that. I can feel you doing that. And I celebrate it for you. Um, 
you know, let's get a little bit specific about some of your work, though, because you have this nonprofit core contributors grouping and you're doing sure. some work in the community e, that uh, you care deeply about through this organization. Why don't you tell us about it a little bit? Yes. So core contributors group came about during the height of the pandemic. Um, it, it's we started it, um, I want to say around June of 2020, a collection of friends of mine. Um, by day, I'm a social worker and therapist. I've been an individual and family psychotherapist for the past ooh, 15 years. And so over that course of that time, I have acquired a, a really wonderful group of therapists and teachers and educators. And we all decided to kind of come together, pull our resources and see how we could be a benefit during this time. And um, we've been able, blessed to be able to be a blessing to our larger community in LA by, by providing you know funding to individuals of color in the areas of um, health and wellness education and reducing homelessness and so over the course of the last three years we've been able to sponsor or donate close to three hundred thousand dollars and so it's been a real blessing so that's that's kind of the mission for core contributors group we're coming up on our third annual community event on August the 12th. It's a free event providing back to school supplies for the community, free haircuts for the kids, um, entertainment. And we are bringing in um, black and brown vendors to kind of give them a high, a larger platform. It's on August 12th and it's gonna be at one of the local churches here in Inglewood. And it's our third annual, it's called Ujima. Each year we have a theme. This year's theme is going to be forward together. As you know, the old proverb says, the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. So this year's theme is forward together. We have to unite if we're going to progress as people, as a country, and as just as human beings. So we just, that's the theme as we move forward for this year for Core Contributors Group, and we're excited about it. Core Contributors Group has done so much good work. I know that Brett was enthusiastic about it last year. And I think yeah. you mentioned August 12th is actually going to be an event day for Core mm -hmm. Contributors. So I believe I'll be in California during that time. I would love to find out from you how I can be personally active, or perhaps Brett, Kate, Louisa, and I can all be yeah. personally active and, and just get out there and make it make it not just an event, but a movement. Yes, yes. We love this. Love to have you all come out. Yeah, last year when Brett came, it was such a surprise, such a blessing to have him come and uh, show his support. Um, so that, that would be lovely to have, have you all come out. If you, I'll be happy to send you whatever information you need. Um, and if you can make it, I would love to have you come, have you come out there. I don't get, get that information to Christy. We'll love... just bring our crew over, okay? Okay, there you go. Yeah, okay. that'll be okay. wonderful. Hey, listen, Love Logic is enjoying some great momentum with your independent album release. Talk about this, dude. So the, the independent release, uh, Waves and Sunsets, we dropped um, February 10th of this year. It is my third independent album. And as of right now, we just crossed over 250,000 streams independently. Um, over you know the course of about six months, and I, I feel like it's been my best work thus far, and it feels very just complete. 
And I tried to, to be honest, this, this album came on the back of some personal, I don't want to say inner turmoil, but just questioning what my next move would be. Do I want to continue to pursue a shutdown? Everyone was kind of in their silos. And I just started asking myself, do I really want to keep doing this? Like, wh why am I doing this, right? And the only answer that I kept coming up with was, I love it, you know, and you should always do what you love. That's enough. And I just gradually just started chipping away um, at my, my little home studio. And one song turned into five, passed it around to a couple of friends of mine, five turned into 12, and then came across some, you know, business partners that were like, hey, we like what you're doing. We want to work with you. We love your sound. And before I knew it, you know, I had waves and sunsets and, you know, over the course of, you know, a couple months. And so far it seems to be, you know, folks just seem to be really liking it. It blew my mind when last year you were charting at the top on those digital listings in Europe. I was like, whoa, do you see yeah. this? Do you see this? That was crazy. That was crazy. That was crazy. It, it, but it, it was, was confirmation. Crazy, but it was also understandable because your music is just so intentionally gorgeous. And um I I I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for what you're doing through music, not just what you're doing, uh you're doing as a person. Uh you know, Love Logic, your mom isn't you love logic. E, your mom is an incredible woman who I admire. Your whole family are so important to you. How have they impacted yeah. your choices in music? Well, my mom is definitely, she started out uh, and you know, worked with a lot of the legends, you know, so that experience that spilled over into me. I can remember being in her car, listening to all the greats, you know, the emotions, Al Green, uh, Stevie Wonder, and I just wanted to always impress her. She always said it's a really good example. She, she's my friend, you know, she's my friend and she inspires me just with her, her spirit and I, anything that she was into, I wanted to be into, you know? Mm -hmm. So music just made sense um, as a way to bring a smile to her face. Um, and it just became natural, it became natural. So that was my initial kind of introduction. I can remember being a little kid and my brother and my, my, brother and my sister getting tired and telling her, mommy, make him stop, make him stop. The first song I would repeat <laughs> in the car was uh, this old church hymn, amen in the morning, amen in the evening. Amen. 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 Amen.
as I've shared, I've known you since you were a kid and uh, calling you E comes natural to me. Yet I do enjoy the ease of speaking with you in your stage name, Love Logic. It's a very powerful name. Explain the significance behind it and how it speaks to your journey. So Love Logic came after a series of names that I'm sure many artists have gone through there. <laughs> There are different uh, transitions, but I wanted, like I said, I wanted something, I'm thinking timeless, right? I'm thinking something that's going to sustain and be meaningful when I'm, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100. Love is the initial ingredient in anything that you do. I believe if you're not doing it with a spirit of love, you shouldn't do it. So I wanted that to be a part of my name, my moniker. People tend to see me as uh, there's kind of a two sides to me. I, I, I'm very passionate and, you know, emotionally uh, aware and connected to, to people. But I'm also very tactical and logical in terms of, you know, the this is how I approach things. Like I said, I've been in, uh, a therapist for, for a very long time. I've always wanted to understand how people think and why they think the way they do. I was that person in school that people came and you know, laid their problems to, you know, whether I want, mm -hmm. whether I asked for it or not. So those two parts of me kind of made sense. And then when you think about love, you can't touch it, you can't feel it. It's not anything you can actually tangibly see. But music is the most tangible conduit through which love can be, can be expressed and conveyed. It's the most logical way that love can be felt. So that's why I put those two together. You can't have one without the other. So that's where the right. notion from. Right, right. And I, I, I love it. And you deliver on that. You really live truthfully to that. And you know, in our communities, we care about names. They mean a lot. We think about them deeply. Your work often addresses issues of injustice, inequality, and empowerment. Sure. Right. You think you single out uh, possibilities and responsibilities versus anger and destruction. E, how do you navigate the balance between highlighting these challenges while offering hope and solutions through your art? Hmm. Well, I do my best to approach any sort of creative space from a, a space of gratitude. You know, whenever I'm kind of encountering a barrier or something that I need to reconcile with, I start with these three things. My, my old saying is get quiet, get patient, get grateful. If mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't approach anything with any clarity if there's too much noise going on, whether there's actual physical noise going on around you or whether there's noise inside of yourself so that means getting a quiet space you meditate whatever it is you need to do prayer whatever it is that, that quiet space you have to bring in a space of patience in addition to that nothing that lasts nothing that's valuable nothing that's going to lead you to um, a solution is going to come if it's rushed so you have to find a quiet space you have to find a place of patience and lastly, gratitude. There has to be humility in what you're doing. You have to have a reverence and respect for whatever you're approaching, whatever the situation is. If it's a social justice issue, you can't, you have to approach it from a, a, a standpoint of gratitude because 
if you don't, you're going to skew, your approach is going to be skewed. Your energy is going to be tainted and you're not going to get the best product out of whatever you're doing. I want to make sure, <laughs> um, remember to get in my space of quiet. I have to remember to gather my patients and remember to be grateful for the opportunity to be of service to people. And that usually just kind of is my magic switch that allows me to get in my zone and be my best self and present, you know, the best way that I can in, you know, in the world. And like I said, as a creative. I, I love that so much. And I, you don't just create alone. I mean, you've had some quite memorable musical collaborations, how they enriched your creative process. Talk about those a little bit. Um, so I, over the course of, you know, the last, the last 10 years, I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of powerful up and coming artists, um, on Waves and Sunsets. I, I had the opportunity to work with this lovely young lady. Her name is Makaya. We've known each other for 10 years. She's, she's touring all over the world as a, an amazing singer. I've had an opportunity to get production from um, a good friend of mine. His name is, he goes by 6-7 Music. He's actually North Carolina too. He's in North Carolina too. Uh, a lot of good stuff out in North Carolina, dude. A lot of good <laughs> stuff in, in, in North Carolina. He's out in Ra he's in Raleigh. And um, he's works with Mariah Carey. He's worked with Bruno Mars. Um, he's getting ready to do some work with Kirk Franklin. So all of these, the, 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 the pool, the, as uh, Donnie Hathaway said, the black pool of genius is deep. And so I've been fortunate enough to kind of um, gravitate to the same kind of people, just, you know, hitting, hitting different clubs and different um, uh, spots in, in LA and the surrounding LA area where people have a mutual respect. You might be my kind of person. What you into? And then from there, the conversation builds. And before that, you know, we're, you know, I, I'm like, hey, I have no ego in this situation. Let's go create something. Let's see what comes of it. And before I know it, you know, we, we have a whole album, you know, so that's kind of how it comes across. I also want to shout out my boy, Dot. He works with 1500 or nothing. He's an affiliate of uh, the group 1500 or nothing. They were the band for Jay-Z. They've been the band for Lupe Fiasco. I think they did some work for Beyonce. So these are all guys that are just talented young musicians that are all out there pursuing with the same kind of passion that I am. And they were, you know, kind enough to, you know, con connect with me and they liked what I was doing. And, you know, that, that's all I can really say. I'm just grateful that they were, you know, willing to kind of rock with me and help me put this project together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got all that old soul you know, genius, and then they're innovative and bringing, you know, new energy to it. I just really love it. And and as you're mentioning the artists they've worked with, you know, they create a lot sure. of the energy behind that that pushes them over 100%. so much. Uh, I mean, 100%. that's incredible. You know, if there were any artist at any time in history through today who you could collaborate with and you've not yet done that, who would it be? I mean, shorten the list a little bit, but who would it be? That's a hard question. Um, man, who would I work with? I would work with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, I yeah. would work with. Um, I actually 
did a, a, a remake of Reasons, which you can find um, um, on, on the internet as well. I did a, a remake of Reasons and that, um, that uh, caught some waves a few years back. So Earth, Wind & Fire, uh, The Roots, they're one of my favorite current uh, bands. They do everything. They're basically primarily hip hop, but they've worked with everybody. Um, I'd love to work with Donny Hathaway. I, I think that's probably where my soul comes from. And didn't Donny Hathaway did. work with Aretha on Bridge Over Troubled Water? Didn't he collaborate with her on that? I won't ask I you can't. to speak definitively to it, but I know he had worked with her. I can't speak with full confidence, but I would not be surprised. He did a lot of work behind the scenes that he wasn't necessarily trying to get credit for it. But again, he was just, he was just a pure creative that kind of left his fingerprints on a lot of those folks. So I would not be surprised if he did do that. With Most him. people know him with uh, Roberta Flack, but he, Roberta. Was, he was really, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, 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 Layla, Lala ain't that bad either, right? <laughs> Layla is the truth. So uh, we, I'm, I'm working on trying to get something, uh, something popping with her too. But she's amazing. She's amazing. I, my, I would love to write for, write a song for her. That's really what long term I want to be able to do is just establish myself as a songwriter. You know, so that's where well, get you get busy. Let's make vibrant. that connection. I'm gonna help you make that. I'm gonna help you make that happen. Get busy, okay? That's my commitment, boo. Okay. okay. Right. But you know, you said in an interview somewhere that Love Jones is your favorite movie. And so many young black and brown people I know agree with you. Over the summer 100%. vacations at my house, I know I've sat through movies with nieces and nephews that were yeah. Love Jones and Love and Basketball. What makes oh, yeah. Love Jones your favorite movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It just, honestly, that's. That is the utopia type vision for how I see black love. The way I see, it just encapsulates the best and truest of what I think young black creatives look like. You know, the, the artist Nina, she was a photographer. She was, uh, she was out here kind of ch chasing her dream but she was intelligent, she was cool, she was sexy, she wasn't too much. And I felt the same way from the character Darius. You know, people used to say, oh, you remind me of Darius Love Hall from Love Jones. Like he was cool, <laughs> you know, he was talented, he was he was self-confident, but he wasn't, you know, you know, overly flashy. And just how they came together, it was just, and it's it was beautifully intelligent. And so culturally rich, where they placed it in in Chicago, such a, with a, such a rich creative history, it was just a perfect movie. And I I, I can watch it at any time of day. I know it frontwards and, and it came and on the heels. Yeah, and it came on the heels of so much black black exploitation, and 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 you weren't seeing these beautiful love stories from black. And people. you haven't seen one you like that in a long time. Since then. Yeah, Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Trish, Aunt Trish, I have to give credit for something she said that I've repeated often when I talk with women of all uh, 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 ethnicities and social status. And that sure. is love does not have to hurt. So many of us have been taught by music because our music is 
supposedly singing our truths. Uh, so many of us mm -hmm. have been taught, you know, that mm -hmm. we survive through hurt and pain for love, but love doesn't mm -hmm. have to hurt in that way, does it? You know, no. it can be a beautiful, it's a journey, but it it's doesn't have to be one that's filled with, with, with landmines, you know? Right. And I think we go in thinking that's the way it has to happen. For sure, yes. Love in its in its highest presentation is not about suffering. I believe with love, there are challenges, but challenges are not negative. Just like you go to the gym, in order to get stronger muscles, you're gonna have to lift heavier weights. Now, you may come out of there being a little sore, but you'll be stronger afterwards. I don't see that as a negative or just hurt for hurt's sake, right? But mm. with love at its best, it's going to be an opportunity for you to grow, to reveal your most uh, passionate and your most um, genuine parts of yourself without having to feel like you're guarded when you really recognize yourself in that other person. So I think that that's where love can, you know, flourish the best you know it's not going to come from a whole bunch of suffering mindlessly right mm, you're right look let me ask you a broader question how do you okay. define success man when i have done i've used all of my gifts to the fullest and highest potential in service of others. I think that that's the best yeah. way that I can define success. You know, other yeah. things that come along with it. I, I would, I love, you know, I want to be obviously financially taken care of and want to make sure all that happens for my, my family. Um, but Really, even in my pop, my affirmation, I kind of define it. My family is healthy, yeah. wise, and at peace and grateful. So those mm -hmm. kinds of things come under the umbrella of how I define success. You know, if you feel like you have found your passion and you are uh, tending to your passion, passion and sharing it with the world in a true, authentic way, I think that's when you're most successful. Yeah, yeah. Well, being an artist, authenticity is difficult to hold on to if you're seeking the goal, but it's kind of necessary if you're trying to express yourself from your soul. Do, do you work to maintain authenticity or mm -hmm. does your love of the creative channel kind of support you staying true to your artistic vision? How, how, how do you line that up? Well, authenticity is always paramount. But the creative space allows me that creative license, right? So I may tell a story in one of my songs that may not directly be mine, but it may be something that impacted me, right? So in mm -hmm. that sense, it is my story. In that sense, it is true. Mm -hmm. And that allows me the creative license to paint that picture for a listener. So the authenticity is always there, even if the specific story or the specific idea is not mine. Like I've written for, you know, a bunch of different artists. I wrote, I wrote for this artist named Noel Gordine. He was 
uh, he had this big hit called The River, and I believe he was signed to Motown. Um, and he did this song called Spotlight Loving, and it was kind of going right. back to what we were saying, um, the beauty of being able to love freely. My gift as a songwriter did his vision, but it was just as true for me. So I, I think the authenticity is always there, even if it's not specifically, you know, his particular story on this day. Right. Right, because as humans, we share humanity, and in sharing humanity, we share stories. Uh, and so we can go. create stories for each other that help to articulate forward sometimes better than they can write it, but they can deliver it in the way that was so intended. I love 100%. that. You know, yeah. you, you're well aware of who the R&B group, The Temptations, are. I mean, you it's know true. that they went through a period, as so many artists do, of adapting to an ever-evolving landscape. Remember when they came out with all their psychedelic sound, when the when mm -hmm. the music scene was changing? Well, yeah. you're building your career in a season where messaging is in some ways as important as a new sound. Do you think a lot or at all about keeping an edge? Yeah, yeah, um, and I have... And I have a, <laughs> a, a small uh, group of what I call my uh, my my no BS posse. They'll tell me if something is sounding corny or outdated. I'm like, nah, man, that ain't it. Like, you got <laughs> you can do, but they don't care nothing about my feelings. Like I said, I got to leave my ego at the door. I just sent. Um, we're working on the new album, which is uh, it's going to be called Love for Sale, um, and. I, we're working on mixing and mastering. So I just sent a couple of tracks over to my no BS posse. And I know they're going to tell me, hey, man, this one's it. That one ain't it. This is a little corny. You need to switch this up. So I definitely try to maintain an edge. You know, I don't try to follow trends, but I'm aware. You stay informed of what's going on because you don't want to fall out. You don't want to become outdated because then, you know, you don't, it's harder to maintain an audience. You want to be true to you, but you always want to pay attention to what's going around. Right. It's got in order to get it out, it has to have that deliverability. Uh, you talk sure. about them saying, "Hey, this is good and this is BS." Uh, Barry Gordy, who you know I know personally, Barry 100%. Gordy would sit mm -hmm. there with you. You had a nickel, but you buy this record, mm -hmm. but you buy a set. One hundred percent. Exactly. So the whole Motor City setup, the way he had that whole setup was like, I love that. And you need that. You need to have those people, the ARs, the people that you kind of filter things through before it gets to the world. And that's one of the things that we did with Waves and Sunsets this past, um, before we released, we had two listening parties and I invited um, handfuls of close friends, musician buddies, to do kind of like a listening party and give me notes. And they did anonymous surveys. We interviewed folks. And then at the end, we did a live performance. We filmed all of it, but all of that information, all that data kind of helped informed me about what direction to take, what I needed to trim, what I needed to modify and what worked. And so having those people and having that kind of filter system, kind of like what, you know, what they were doing at Motown, it's invaluable. 
you got to have a strength and a grounding to be able to do that as the artist as well. I mean, it's one thing for a Barry Gordy or a JBH to sit in a room and have a product um, put 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 to test internally uh, before we push it to market. But when you're the artist and you've actually created it, Man. there's a vulnerability that 100%. <laughs> well, what Erica yeah. Badu say, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my stuff. So that, so. <laughs> well, you know, I, the I, power of storytelling, the power of storytelling is beautifully evident in your music and your poetry. Uh, Shared some kind of uh, story with us, at least something in particular that uh, would have been an experience that shaped your artistic uh, journey. <laughs> Oh man, um, I'll share something from the listening party that took place. So, like I said, we did multiple listening parties, um, and there was a song on the project called Skeletons, and it's just kind of speaking to you know, we all have a past, we all have things that we some things we wish we could have done differently, people that we you know, may have stumbled across that maybe we went left and we should have went right. And there was another, uh, there was a song called Say Something. And it just talks about the importance of communication, right? Um, sometimes, what was the old saying? You know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I know what I yeah. said to you, but for whatever reason, you hearing something different. So my wife was at my listening party we were listening to say something. So let's say something based on something that happened in real life. And all of, all of a sudden <laughs> I got quiet and I turned my head away from the, from the camera and my wife got up and gave a speech. The first line in it is you got a lot of nerve walking in here with all that attitude. Um, but the, but the course goes, you know, you're here, I'm here. We're not about to lose over no tears. Nothing is perfect. But if um, nothing is perfect, but but it's worth it if we're patient. Need you to say something, baby. Just say something. So she told her story about where it came from after a tip we had had about like I don't even know what the argument was about because it was something small and stupid. But it just kind of it was funny to be out there vulnerable and she's telling the story and folks are picking up on like that story was real. That, that felt real real, like that came from a real space. So, uh, yeah, kind of like this? if you were in the movies, you're here delivering this beautiful diatribe, and she's behind you going, <laughs> she's mm -hmm. telling the something behind the something. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she and but she and know, she'll get on camera for sure and tell the truth, baby. She will tell it. Oh, you know, I've been with her, you know, I know she's beautiful, she's lovely. Please share my yes. love, um, yes, indeed. Uh, love logic, art, and activism about all, you know, they, they go hand in hand, right? For, yes. through, through the years. And you know all about artists coming together around, around causes for hope, feeding the world. And one really big initiative we all relate to is We Are the World, addressing apartheid. How do you mm -hmm. see the intersection of art and activism shaping our society and driving positive change today? When so many have so much access to information, you can't know what's fact or what's fiction. I think it's harder than ever with this generation, you know, and I, 
I think that every generation they say is, you know, what the generation before says, oh, this generation is going to have it the hardest, but every generation somehow finds a way to uh, just to fi just to figure it out. And I think the same thing is going to happen with, you know, you know, the millennials and the, the whatever, what is it, the generation, what is generation Y? Is that what, what's, ne what's next? But I think that bringing activism into art is is paramount it has to have again it has to have some weight to it of course we want to entertain we want to you know just enjoy what we're doing but there's nothing wrong with putting the medicine in the candy and when it comes to getting information you know i think you have to have a base you have to have folks that you trust within your inner circle to kind of help guide you and steer you and you have to have you have to be open to dialogue i think that that's the only way you're able to really decipher between what's real and what ain't um you can't live in a silo you can't kind of stick to your own homogenous circles you have to be willing to have conversations with people that may see things differently that you know have bits and pieces maybe they have a piece of the map on their end and i have a piece of the map and we think that this piece of the map is the whole globe, but really it ain't. So my piece of the map may match with yours and you figure out, okay, we got, we got a bigger piece of the puzzle and we're able to get a better understanding that will bring that clarity that, that, that kind of filters out the, the tainted information. It allows us to be more informed, allows us to be more connected as people and as, you know, as a community. And I think that those things take place in art. You know, there's different artists that have different pieces of the map, you know, depending on who you're listening to. And that's why I think there's a beauty in having a diverse palette um, for things to listen to. I, I go back as, as far as, as Bach and Beethoven and as current as, you know, Kendrick, you know, Kendrick Lamar and the J. Cole. So I pull from all those places and, I'm, and I believe that this generation, because they have access, have the opportunity to pull from those things more efficiently. I just want, to, I, what I would hope is that they are communicating with people about what they're digesting and what they're listening to, because it's the, it's the conversation along with the music that kind of helps us to stay informed and helps us to stay aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, you know, in the face of challenges and resistance, give a little bit of advice to some aspiring artists and activists who are looking to make a meaningful impact in their creative endeavors. I would say start local. Start with your friends. Start with something that you are passionate about. Your goal should not be to save the world. It should be starting with your community, start local. And that was something that I had to learn and again, humble, humble myself about, you know, as much as we all want to have the capes, the, the biggest cape we wear is how we treat our neighbors. We don't realize how those small things kind of ripple out and reverberate beyond just our small communities. And I think that that's the first thing that I can encourage people to do. Start with your community. Do you know who your neighbor is? Do you know what's going on with them? Have you figured out how you can, you know, uh, where you all have common ground? 
How can you be of service to them? How can they be of service to you? In small ways. Um, and mm. then you'll be surprised how that picks up momentum. The mm. same thing happened with this nonprofit. I was just minding my business you know, at work. And these opportunities kind of presented themselves just because I maintained a certain communication with my neighbors in proximity. And they just kind of got to know me and see what I was about and said, you know, hey, you know, this opportunity is happening on this date. What do you think about coming down there and, you know, doing mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z with me? You know, um, that started back in college. I was a part of a, a fraternity of sorts, you know, with like-minded uh, men, you know, and it's, uh, the standard, uh, we were a group called uh, Majus, men acting genuinely in service. And these, those are still some of my brothers to this day. And we were young college kids that, you know, like to have a good time, like to enjoy ourselves, but we were also about the community. I didn't have to go searching too far from them. I saw what they were doing. It interests me. I walked over there. It's, I was like, you know, what y'all doing? You know, what you guys into? And it was real casual like that. And so I don't want people to feel like it the the task of uh, serving your community or being active has to be this big daunting task. No, start with your friends, start with your homies, start with your neighbors, start with your family, you mm. know? You know, say, hey, you know, brother, or hey, sister, or, hey, auntie, this is what I'm getting into on this day. Do you think maybe you can make some, you know, make a couple plates? I'm gonna, you know, go down to Skid Row and just, you know, bless some folks like that. You're being active, you're being of service, just like that. Those things, the momentum picks up once you put that kind of energy and intention out in the world. I have no doubt. And I'm a, I'm a living testament to it just by, Amen. just by doing those small things. And, and, and please remember that I've asked you to reach out to Christy and make sure that I'm able to be there for August 12th and not just be there physically, but maybe bring a client with me who's very interested in the kind of work you're doing there and would love to see the impact to the direct community. Eva, do you think it's ever okay to just do it for the yes. money? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you're gonna get far by doing things just for the money. You, you, you'll make money, but I don't know how how life is gonna be sustained for you. I don't know what your quality of life is gonna be like. There's plenty of folks that I know that I went to that I went to school with. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Know, don't families call me names because all of them been up in my house. Listen, I don't know. I don't mention names. I'm all about confidentiality. But my point is, I know plenty of folks that have talked to me on the side. This is what I'm saying. Like, I and I, I got two nickels to rub together. But my gratitude makes me make is always sustain me through those kind of things. But some of those folks that are doing things for the money, you can just see that they're not happy. And they're not they're not at peace. So no, I don't think it's ever the the right to do it just for the money, you know? It's well, a necessary I love resource. I, I love you so much for that answer. Let's talk about waves and sunsets, okay? I want to talk okay. about your process in creating that album. Now, from the writing to the recording and the mixing, tell us about it. And if you want to share the evolution of one song in particular, it would be interesting to hear how Born to Be came together. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... Born to Be was actually the last song that's a lot that of we question, recorded. Right? That's a lot of it's questions, right? It's a lot, but I'm going I'm to uh, walk through it. I'm going to walk through it one step at a time. So Born to Be was actually 
the last song that we recorded. Um, I actually recorded it while I had COVID. So I had to record it in isolation um, at home. And the first couple of times I, I did it, I said, okay, you know, I, what, what do I want the theme to be for the album? You know, the way an album starts is so crucial. And going back to a lot of those artists we reference, you know, the way What's Going On started, the way Marvin Gaye started Hear My Dear, or, or, or Al Green started any of his Curtis albums. Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield, amen. All of those, all those, pro Willie Hutch, those folks set a tone for how their album started, you know? So I really wanted it to be fun. I didn't want to, I wanted it to be palatable and I wanted it to be just something that would be infectious. And it kind of goes back to, again, the medicine and the candy. I'm never going to just go directly at you and tell you, this is what I'm trying to get across to you. Like I said, I was I was uh, recovering from COVID, and my my voice just wasn't quite where I needed it to be. Um, but it actually kind of gave me. Sometimes when you when you're a singer, you get different tones that come out when you're a little nasally. So I said, okay, let me try this and see how this sounds. Sending it over to my my boy Tremaine, who ended up um, mixing it, um, and. He don't like nothing that I do, okay? He has a very high standard. He's one of my <laughs> primary BS posse. Like, he gonna tell you, mm, you can do that better. Mm, that note was off. But he keeps me honest. He's like my trainer. Um, but when he got that one back to me, he was like, okay, I like this one. I'm rocking with this one. And um, that let me know that I was on to something. So... That one, I think I wrote in maybe 10 minutes. Um, usually when it comes that fast and I know I got something special, you know, mm -hmm. I want to be that way. This is what I was born to do. And I wanted to set that intention for the beginning of the album. Like, I know why I'm doing this because I'm born to do this. This is in me. Again, I'm doing it from a place of authenticity. and. I just wanted folks to feel like, hey, you're born to do whatever it is that you're doing. It's in you. You know, don't let nobody block your shine. You know, I stay shining because I'm mm -hmm. born to be that way. My star is rising because I'm born to be that way. It's not surprising when you're born to be that way. So those those were the first words that kind of came to me. And I just kind of freestyled it. And before I knew it, I had a banger. And that that has been like the biggest hit on the album so far. That one reached as far as Tokyo and Europe. It's true. It's true. And I, I I'll tell you, like I remember the posse that you and Brett wrote in uh, during school, and mm -hmm. you had quite a few people in there who liked to sing and could sing, but you always had to mm -hmm. sing. And so yeah. when I'm hearing you talk about born to be. It's like, that's your testimony. And and I think it's being really, it, I mean, it, it touched me. I think it's being really well received. And I just love it so much, so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Thank I'm you. excited Thank about that one. Thank you for sharing it with all of us. Thank you for sharing it with all of us. Um, you know, Love Logic mentorship and community support are crucial for act, 
and activists, right? Speak mm -hmm. to the mentors and role models who've influenced you and the importance of fostering those connections, importantly mm -hmm. fostering those connections. Hmm. Well, I always have to start with my mom. She's my mom, but she's still my first mentor. And she's been the most consistent mentor um, in my life. So she's always been um, a sense of a ground, um, a grounding space for me to bounce ideas, to, you know, make sure that my emotional and integral compass is moving in moving in the right direction. Um, outside of her, I would say one of my one of my mentors slash brothers has been a good friend of mine. His name is his name is Marcus. He's a uh, he's been in the mental health field for a long time. Um, and we stumbled across each other when I when I was uh, working in community in the community service space doing uh, child therapy. And he's been, you know, very integral in encouraging me to kind of step out um, and expand my private practice, which would, you know, which I'm going to be starting, opening our office in August 1st of this year. Um, so that's Bryant Counseling, and, that's Bryant counseling that's and Consulting, right? I wanted correct, to ask correct. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just, uh, yesterday we just, um, turned in our deposit. Marcus was definitely someone that I consulted and, you know, kind of got feedback from him because I said he's been in the field for, you know, over 20 years um, and serving the communities with the same kind of passion that, that I like to see. Um, and, and, and so I would say that that's definitely another mentor of mine. Um, a lot I've had a lot of mentors in the music space, but a lot of them have kind of been distant. You know, they've been mentors that I have not been able to have direct conversations with yet, but I hope to be able to, you know. But their um, light shines on your path. Their light shines on my path, you know. So um, I would say Stevie Wonder is still a, a mentor of mine. We've I've gotten a chance to, um, work with some of his his family um i've gotten a chance to write a song for stevie he's definitely you know a mentor of mine he may not remember uh uh me but i definitely remember him and um just seeing how he's moved through this space with integrity longevity authenticity and just genius you know as a creative i think that he's definitely been and a mentor for me just you know from a distance um and man so many that i i can't even i can't even you know identify them and i'll i'll say my my uncle um who's a who's a history professor out in um uh mississippi he's been a, a professor of african-american uh studies uh for the last 30 years and he's mm -hmm. always been just a solid male figure um, for me, mm. um, as I said, you know, my mom was the primary parent growing up in our household. So anytime I had an opportunity to um, have a male figure that was, you know, positive and encouraging, you know, my mom wanted me to stay close to them. And so my my uncle uh, Robert Jenkins has definitely been one of those people. So I yeah, those black man at the lectern. 
black man at the lectern teaching children how to learn. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, you mentioned Bryant Counseling and Consulting. It's going to open on August 1. Talk a little bit about what your intention is around that. Everything you do has such intentionality to it. Talk about Bryant uh, Counseling and Consulting. Yes. So I've been... I've been working for you know um, a, a number of different agencies um, for the last 15 years, lending my services, contract work, or just working directly as an employee. And you know, one of my business partners, actually in the music world, um, an attorney friend of mine, was like, you know, you have you have all this experience, you have all this wealth of knowledge, and I just feel like you could be doing more. I think it's time for you to kind of step out into your own space. You know, you can do more and do it the way you want to do it. Sometimes, well, all the time, if you're working for someone else, ultimately they have the final say in what happens and how you do it. And I think at this time in my life, I've gathered enough experience and it's, it seems like I am ready to kind of, not kind of, to expand and be that, that conduit for the community in my own way. Um, everybody mm. eventually has to kind of step out there and take that chance. This is probably the biggest challenge that I've had thus far um, because I like to just do my thing and keep it keep it moving. But now this is something where I'm taking primary ownership in creating something from the ground up. It's beautiful, it's scary at times, but it is going to be part of my legacy. And as you know, as as I get older, you know, thinking about family, um, children, I want to have something to leave. And this is going to be a big part of that. I want to be able to tell my kids, you know, hey, you know, daddy has, you know, daddy created this beautiful artistic legacy. And he's also got this community um, service legacy. And he's got this area where he's, you know, able to provide therapy in a space that desperately needs it. We're primarily targeting, you know, black and brown uh communities because they are rising um they're the highest rising in terms of mental health needs you know we've been we don't tend to prioritize mental health in, the, in um black and brown communities because it just wasn't normalized for a lot of our generations and now that we are kind of breaking out of that mindset we're recognizing just how important mental health is um there's such a demand, there's such a need for more people that look like me, that have the experience that I have. So it's just an extension of my, of my service, but now it's gonna be in my terms, in my space, my way, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, you know, to assisting, assisting the community. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's so beautiful for me as I sit here and I look at you, remembering you as a child and just just savoring you as an adult, the, to, to, to witness the gift of your artistry nurtured by your intentionality is beautiful. 
it is rare even today, regardless of where people are starting from, to see them arrive at a place where they are concurrently building an artistic world and a business world together. So many of the people you speak to whose lights have uh, shown on your path did not have business as a platform uh, in their lives. And so mm -hmm. their business was handled by other people and they right. lived with only their music as a legacy. And right. it created legacies of wealth and health for people other than them, themselves. Exactly. And I love to see that everything you're doing is coming from a place of wellness, of health, be it physical or mental health, and that you're expressing that through your music and sharing with us how we live in love or through your new Bryant Consulting, uh, counseling and consulting entity that will actually touch people who are out there listening sure. and buying your music. I salute you and I thank you with so much of that happening and 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 just 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 savoring that you are you're in the front of it and you've already achieved so much. What's the next level for love logic? What I mean, you've heard of bucket lists. You're you're yeah. way too early for a bucket list. <laughs> But certainly, you have aspirations of the next level. What 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 can be there left? A nap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a nap. rest. A okay, physical wellness, physical and mental wellness. Hundred percent, hundred percent. A nap, but um, I I I don't know what's next for me. I think that right now everything that's on my plate. Is what's next, you know, growing the nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, corporate distributors group is on my plate. That's on the horizon. Bryant Counseling and Consulting is gonna take, you know, like I said, we're we're opening August 1st, you know, but there's gonna be a lot of work to really establish and you know, kind of get the word out there. So having platforms like this is gonna be great for us to kind of spread the word. So when we start advertising, um, you know, those that will help to kind of move this thing along. Um, and then, you know, uh, getting, you know, getting some, getting some kids, you know, like, um, like uncle Smith told, uh, told me at, uh, at, uh, Brett's wedding, <laughs> he told me, he told me it's about time. I, I, I'll say the PG version of what uncle Smith told me, but he was just like, it's about, okay, okay. <laughs> clean it up. It's about time. It <laughs> it's about time he told he told me he told brett and i think he told he told delhi so um that's that's probably the next um immediate thing you know it's kind of you know uh building building my family legacy you know you know having 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 I, I i love it but you know what i gotta come back to uncle smith on that and mine is thought clean <laughs> you don't have to clean mine up because it was okay. gifted to me by a young lady named Haley thomas earlier this morning um okay. Haley spoke and i'll I, I won't quote her but the impact she made on me was profound when she said one of the gifts she's giving herself is to learn to uh, be respectful of her own pace, you know? Hey. Uh, she said, remember being a little girl and people saying, when I was at your age, I was playing in dirt or I was doing this or I was doing that. You know, they were either playing in dirt or they were building, you know, a rocket to the moon. Uh, mm -hmm. But learning to respect her own pace was, is something yes. she's giving. So, sure. so, so, 
So, so before you take that nap that you deserve, I'm sure, and I want you to get as Mama Jan, I want you to take care of yourself. Yes, Let's go yes. four for four. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go four for four? I think I think that's that's it. You know, I, I'm I'm just grateful to you know have the space to talk with you. I think I've touched on everything. <laughs> I love it. I love. It. So much, and I love you so much. I don't know if you can feel all the love just squeezing up. Out always, always. Oh. Okay, let's right go back. four for four. I'm going to ask okay. you four questions, to which you'll give me four answers. There are no wrong or right answers, okay? And the first question is: you get okay. to invite any four people to dinner you choose from any time past in history to present. Who's at your table, and why? Oh man, okay. Let's see. Um, four people. I'm going to go Malcolm X. Malcolm X is probably one of the, the single most impactful um, uh, figures um, in my life, reading his autobiography, just watching, reading about the authentic transformation that, that took place in his life. Um, and to see the impact, the the confidence, the the wisdom, the the unapologetic uh, pride that he had for uh, black people, for brown people, for people oppressed people. I'm not so stuck in my ways that I'm not willing to transition and learn something new and say, okay, I'm I'm shifting this perspective. I'm widening my perspective. I'm widening my appreciation, my understanding of of people. Of, of race relations, of what it means to be, you know, a man and what it means to be a human in, in this country and uh, just being fearless. So I would love to just have him at the table and, you know, just Hey, let just me ask listen. you something. Let me ask you something, because uh, if he's at your table, you deeply care and have studied on him. Um, he, the impact he made was so profound and so, uh, and, and, and and so media uh, uh, heavy prior to his trip to Mecca that I think many people aren't aware mm -hmm. of what happened after Mecca. Share that mm -hmm. a little bit for those of our family who may only know Malcolm X the way he, and some might mm -hmm. say was perpetuated through media perpetuated. only as his pre-Mecca journey. Albeit mm -hmm. that's not, unnecessary either mm -hmm. well you know so he well Islam, he was the primary speaker for the nation of Islam when it was growing it was seen as you know very militant um very you know um in some ways you know anti you know everyone that that may not have been black um and seeing certain people as you know uh as devils and those kinds of things but after his trip to mecca it allowed him to see humans and you know as 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 equal you know as and see everyone as a brother or a sister and coming back from mecca his goal was to um unite all people of all backgrounds black brown yellow white um under the you know the true again the true tenets of um islam you know, which, you know, which are, you know, which are love and peace. And so I think that 
after he came back from Mecca, it kind of, I don't want to say softened him, but it just expanded him. You know, it expanded his understanding of humanity um, and that you don't have to be, you know, black to be a value. You don't, um, that all people of other races are not out to get you, um, it, but you can also still have a sense of pride in who you are, where you come from, and that you are just as, you're still just as valuable as everybody else. And so um, I think right before his untimely passing, I know he was getting ready to bring some civil, um, um, some civil suits to the United Nations, I think, or um, because of some of the injustices that were taking, taking place with people of color and poor people. So I think that he started to see a lot of what was happening um, with Martin um, before Martin passed. And I think Martin started seeing a lot of what Malcolm was saying and they were able to see that they were a lot more alike than they were different. They were, they both had the yeah, same there was kind a of quiet intention. Dance. Yes. There was a quiet yes. dance they did. And they were both necessary. Process. Martin and, spoke to the fierce urgency of now and Malcolm right. acted to the fierce urgency of now. But I do think right. that they ended up in a very same place of brotherhood, unity, yes. love, sisterhood, yeah, and humanity. Yes. Yes. And, and what I appreciate the most about you know that is he lived unapologetically in East Space. And it's not always easy to do that. We, you know, uh, we we tend to feel like we have to hide our imperfections, we have to hide our mistakes, and he did not shy away from that. At least in you know, reading in his autobiography, he gave you everything. He gave you the raw. He gave you his transgressions. You know, and all the way up to wh where he, you know, when he passed. And I think that that's the true measure of a human. You know, we're not here to be perfect. We're here to to go through different challenges, to learn from them and be and let these challenges and lessons be a blessing to the larger community. And I think that that's what I appreciate the most about, about him, that confidence to say this and is shout out was. to Denzel. Shout out to Denzel for an immaculate betrayal. Immaculate, immaculate, he did that, he did that. So I would say Malcolm X, um, John Henry Clark will be the next person that I would uh, have at the dinner table, just one of our premier um, historians. Um, and when it comes to history, uh, when it comes to African American history and history before African Americans got to this country, he's just been a wealth of, of knowledge. Um, he, from John Hendrick Clark, sprouts the Cornel West, sprouts the Michael Eric Dyson, sprouts the all of the great thinkers um, and sociologists. Are you familiar with Henry Louis Gates? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. Good work. Good work. Yeah. Yes. All of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I would say Malcolm X, John Henry Clark, uh, James Baldwin. Um, he's just he's just a fabulous orator. Another person that was just very thought provoking and ahead of his time as a as a writer. Um, I loved watching his dialogue with, um, I want to say it was with a young Angela, I think it was Angela Davis, um, watching mm -hmm. his his dialogue with her on YouTube. Um, and I would love to have him have him there just, just to be a fly on the wall. 
And then I would say Dave Chappelle, another brilliant mind, but just a comedic genius. Another so fearless, you haven't canceled um, David Chappelle. Another fearless figure. No, you I don't know. I've not canceled. No, uh, uh-uh. uh. Okay. I, I I don't okay. think that I don't believe that canceling serves anybody. If you want someone to be transformed, you have to have a conversation with them and understand what their intentions are. If we canceled each other again, going back to Malcolm X, if Malcolm X was canceled when he was Detroit Red, we would never never have gotten to El Haj Malik Shabazz. So when we mm-hmm. cancel people too soon, we cancel their potential for growth and change. So wow, yeah, preach. Preach, preach. Oh, hmm. wow. Wow. Okay, let's go two for four. You got me on one for four, but let's go two for four. Okay. <laughs> so, other than love logic, other than love logic, what four musicians are you listening to right now and why? Uh, I'm listening. That's a tough to... question for you. Yeah. It's, it's tough to, you know, reduce it. Uh, I'm listening to Kendrick Lamar. That's my, uh, I would say that that's like my unspoken competition because I feel like with intention with his art, aspire to be um, his most recent album. Again, it kind of reminds me of Marvin Gaye's Hear My Dear, where he just kind of peeled back the layers of himself talking about his own mental health journey, talking about his own traumas. You know, he kind of explores, you know, you know what it looks like to be in an unhealthy relation, what it looks like to be in an unhealthy relationship and how we can, you know, kind of unintentionally hurt one another and what we can do to heal from that. You know, he talks about family trauma and what it looks like to come from, a, you know, from my family of, you know, of abuse and how to um, resolve those um, generational curses. I was actually (laughs) listening to the album when I was uh, there for uh, for Brett's wedding. So it has a very, very special place um, in my heart because it actually dropped the same day that, uh, you know, Brett got married, which is also my wedding uh, anniversary. Mm -hmm. So all of that kind of makes um, very, it's very special. So Kendrick Lamar, there's a, a gentleman named, Kenyon Dixon, amazing, 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 amazing vocalist and songwriter, extremely soulful. You would like him a lot. I would encourage you to listen to his recent album called The Closer. For you, Mama Jan, listen to it, and I want you to tell me, uh, tell me how you enjoy it. I know you will. He's he's like a modern day Marvin Gaye, um, mm. and I have the utmost respect for him. And he's definitely like the the person that I'm chasing, you know, we all have like our healthy competition, but he's definitely the one that I'm looking to see. Okay. I see where you're going and I'm going to pull a little bit from you, that inspiration from you to kind of, you know, further my path, but Kenyon Dixon is definitely someone I'm listening to. That's my Wow. For sure. He it's and it's, and he's, it's well-deserved. Um, and on the, on the hip hop, um, going back to the hip hop side of things, uh, Killer Mike, Michael Render. He's from um, Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. He kind of encapsulates how I would like to be seen in the totality of, of, my, of myself as a human. 
He is a social activist, very brilliant Morehouse graduate. Um, he is, you know, speaking on a lot of panels about trying to help black and brown folks and poor folks. And he's also, he also just released a, his album called Michael. And it's amazing. It, it's a gospel, mm. it's like gospel infused with hip hop, uh, hip hop lyrics, but it's beautiful from beginning to ending. And I love his album, his relationship and his understanding. I, I love that album. So that's something else I've been listening to. I would say Killer Mike. And then I would say lastly, uh, this artist named Rory. Um, he is, he's kind of like, how would I say? He's kind of like a Quincy Jones in terms of pulling artists together. He doesn't specifically sing or rap, but he pulls together all of my favorite artists to put together collaboration uh, projects. He would be kind of like putting together We Are The World. He, he pulls mm -hmm. in the Michael Jackson, the Lionel Richies, all those folks to put together like a great compilation R&B album. It feels modern um, and it doesn't feel like it's following the trend of anybody else, but it's fresh. And so I've been pulling a lot from, from that album. So those are the four folks. So Kendrick Lamar, Kenyon Dixon, uh, Killer Mike, and Rory. And his album okay. is called I Thought It'd Be Different. All right. So listen, I love the way you give homage to them and um, definitely add into my playlist. Um, mm -hmm. And um, since he didn't make it to dinner, maybe J. Cole and I can take you for tea. Okay. Hey, I'm I'm all, I'm down. I'm down. Tell J. Cole ah. I'm ready, man. <laughs> he, he be he be my he be my fifth. He be my fifth. Ah, well, you already loved him up earlier, so he knows he knows he's in the house. Uh, but sure. I'll share that. Uh, books. What mm -hmm. four books do you recommend to our family to read, and why? Oh man, I would say. It's, too, it's easy to say uh, Autobiography of Malcolm X. I think everybody should read that. It, it's, it's just a transformative, um, transformative human story. Um, I would Not say, just about him, but it'll push us into learning about us too. 100%, 100%. I learned more about myself reading that book than, than, any, than anything. Mm -hmm. um, I would say The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Um, that book, has been very transformative for um, you, myself spiritually um, and mentally, just kind of um, healing from unhealthy ways of, of thinking, um, unhealthy habits, and just kind of uh, helping to maximize my potential as as a spiritual being, have a human, having a human experience. So Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, for sure. Um, Humble the Poet. He's a uh, and rapper. Um, he's a, I believe he's, I believe he's from India. And he wrote this very just, um, uh, very just simple palatable book on ways to, uh, again, transform your mind, break habits, um, and 
uh, transform yourself. So I think that uh, that's that book, Unlearn, is really really powerful. And then I'll say, Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey. It's kind of an in, um, unofficial autobiography of his of his adventures and of how he be, how he stumbled into you know this world of of superstardom, maintaining who he is, um, you know, maintaining that southern charm, but at the same time uh, being fearless in whatever he's you know he's pursuing. He was kind of like um, a world traveler became before he's you know got into acting. Um, he was a, I think he was a philosophy. He's like a philosophy guy. So I'm big into those kind of books. So I would say those those four: autobiography of Malcolm X, Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle, Unlearn by Humble the Poet, and Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. The two I don't have will be added. Thank you to my library. Nice. Okay, nice. let's go four for four. Love logic. What four pieces of advice do you offer to our family now? And if the advice was gifted to you from someone else, please pay homage to the author. Sorry, my little puppy is getting excited. He's ready for me to be done. Oh, great. So, Bring your baby up. Introduce us to your baby. Hello. That's my wife's dog. Hello. This is Teddy. Say say hi, Mama Jan. Say hi, Mama hey, Jan. Hey, We're gonna be wrapping right up in soon, time Teddy. For the advice. <laughs> right on time for advice. Um, I'll go back to you know my, the my old my personal saying. Remember, get quiet, get patient, be able to overcome whatever the challenge is in that moment. Find a quiet space. Allow yourself to be patient with whatever's taking place. Don't feel like you have to rush and find something to be grateful for, even in the, the, the eye of the storm, because there's always something to be grateful for. Um, don't be afraid to say I was wrong. I think that mm -hmm. I am learning that more and more as I get older. You know, sometimes our egos, you know, and our arrogance and our need to in the life are not look bad or look stupid or look whatever. And so I got, I got that one wrong and it's okay. And that allows you, that, that opens you up to be correct and that allows you to grow. Mm -hmm. um, so I mm -hmm. would say that would be the second piece of, of advice. Um, I would say Don't be afraid to say I love you. Don't be afraid to say I love you. Um, these are simple things. To others and I, to yourself. To others and to yourself, yeah? To others and to yourself. To others and to yourself. Because we think that people know how we feel, but you never know when that I love you can be the difference between someone wanting to make it through the day and someone not wanting to make it through their day. You know, I work mm -hmm. amongst, like I said, amongst the, the number of things that I do, I work for a suicide crisis line. Um, and just hearing a lot of the stories about people that just feel so alone, you know, 
and just reminding them of their value is so is so important and sometimes you can do that simply by just from telling your, your your family or your friends send them a text you know if you don't if you don't want to get on the phone if, just say hey i love you i was thinking about you and i try to be intentional about that you know with my with my buddies you know sometimes the guys you know are a little, you know don't always want to say i love you back but uh you know sometimes they want to be a little macho but bump that man we all need love so i tell them you know, I, I, I tell people, hey, man, I love you, bro. And you can see a shift happen just by, mm-hmm. just by saying those words. Um, and lastly, protect your mental and physical space. Mm-hmm. Be discerning about what you allow into your ear, into your heart, and into your physical space. Um, Because you never know where a distraction or a poisonous word or a, a, a destructive energy may present itself so having that discernment protecting your space being being wise about who you allow around you is so 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 important i think in every facet of life in business in in service in relationships um and i've been fortunate enough to have such great 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 people around me from friends lifelong friends you know uh, to you know the relationships that I've cultivated in in the music world, so I would say that probably my last um, bit of advice. Oh, and lastly, no, I said that already. Don't be afraid to say you know be thankful. But I said that earlier. There's always something to be grateful for. Even a three-legged yeah. dog still got three good legs to lose. So I'll yeah. leave it there. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. Love logic on my baby E. Thank you so much. As I look at your wall, I think you're here. I'm pleased. I really dig your company. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Shout out to my wife. That's her. (laughs) Yeah. From, from, from my heart to your home. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you, Mama Dana. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I look forward to seeing you on the 12th and in future endeavors. I love you.